0: I'm Shai Dabiti, and you're listening to Red, White, and Blue Jays. Swing in and a drive!
1: Welcome to Red,
0: White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Red, White, and Blue Jays, and a very warm, very early welcome to Shai Davidi, who joins us somewhere in Toronto, in a swimming pool, at some unearthly hour. Shai, thank you so much for, for spending some time with us.
0: Yeah, my pleasure.
1: Uh, it's great, great to see you. Um, I, I just wonder—is this the first time you? Because when I was doing a little bit of research, you've done a million podcasts with lots of different Blue Jays fans uh, that I see. Have you ever done one into the UK? Have you have you gone overseas yet?
0: No, I think this is my first time uh, speaking with a, a group of Blue Jays fans overseas, uh, and it's great. It's really exciting, and it speaks to how popular this team is—that it's got a following in different spots across the world. So. Uh, it, uh it's great to connect with uh, a group who's uh, definitely shown a lot of passion for the team and uh, certainly ch- following from a distance.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are a massive amount of Jays fans here in the UK for all, all sorts of different reasons. I think a lot of it is vacations across to Canada, picked up on the team, uh, which is certainly my story from the early 90s. Uh, but we've got obviously a lot of expats over here as well. So there's a real cross community in terms of, of Jays fans here. So I know that they're super excited about hearing from you today. So thanks so much for uh, spending some time. Probably the best place to start is, uh, what's the mood like, or what has the mood been like down in spring training?
0: Well, it's been a, a very bizarre spring training, as you guys know, because of the lockout and there's, you know, early in camp, one of the really intriguing dynamics is that you almost had what was like, you know, that winter meetings timeframe, that sort of first couple of weeks of December happening concurrently with training camp. So guys are doing their routine, getting their work in and then every day there's just a crazy amount of moves and you know certainly the Blue Jays were part of that. Kikuchi comes in, Chapman comes in and you know that had a they gave camp a bit of a different sort of rhythm and everyone's already playing catch up a little bit. You know over time that's stabilized a little bit, but I still think there was a bit more of a I don't want to say a, a stressed out or pressured Uh, posture, but everybody understood that there was a more limited time frame and that you didn't have the usual runway. So that that definitely added a bit of a different flavor to camp.
1: Yeah. Do you think with this, I mean, for me, the CBA, I, I thought it would run a lot longer than it actually did. And it seemed to sort of turn a corner quite quickly. Do you think that caught a few people by surprise that it turned around in those last few days relatively quickly?
0: I don't know if it caught people by surprise. I think, you know, the way it played out that final week, you know, the expectation was well, when they had the meetings in Jupiter, Florida, you know, I think the players at that point felt that there was still some distance and that there was still runway. They didn't really believe that Commissioner Rob Manfred was intent on canceling regular season games at that point. They didn't feel they had been at the deadline. That second week, when things collapsed, uh, on the international draft, you know, the player that was really the time frame where the players really yo yoed uh, because, you know, they thought, okay, we got to go, we got to get packed up, and then everything falls apart. And then once the dust had settled, you know, I think both sides kind of had a, co- a few conversations with one another that we're too close to let this go. And so I think players were still on guard. Uh, as a result of that, and then they realized, okay, this is this is a chance of getting done. So, but then there were points where you know guys were talking to them, talking amongst themselves, say, hey, I guess we'll go on vacation because it's going to be another month or whatever it was. Uh, so, I, I don't think they were caught off guard, but I think they were prepared for it to go longer.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I, I'm sure, and, and I think obviously the international players took a little longer to get across and and into spring training but they all seem to have sort of caught up now with the rest of the gang and and i think by and large yeah obviously spring training results are always a bit of a mixed bag aren't they in terms of what what do you actually read from that um how how do you feel spring training has gone for the jays thus far
0: you know i think the key thing for the jays is that no one suffered a serious injury right like it's uh you know the one of the sayings that You know, I've heard a lot over the years that basically, like, nothing happens, nothing good happens. You know, over those six weeks, Uh, generally, you're just hoping that guys don't get hurt, and as as long as guys don't get injured, uh, that's great. But you know, by the same token, you know, I do think that this spring has taken on a different meaning, uh, just because everything is so compressed. So so, you know, the the work that the the players seem to be getting in, uh, you know. They're hearing good things about that. Obviously, everybody's optimistic at this time of year. Uh, you know, the, the situation with Nate Pearson getting sick, that's certainly not ideal. You know, Jordan Romano turning his ankle, obviously not ideal. Walking uh, a dog. Barucki, right, walking a dog, apparently. Uh, Ryan Barucci, obviously not ideal. But, you know, nothing calamitous has happened. And if you're a baseball team, you know you know that little things are going to occur, but you always worry about, you know, something more significant happening and, you know, as we're talking this morning, you know the Blue Jays avoided that.
1: Yeah, well, see, seeing the rain come down yesterday during the game, and I was thinking, how, how long are they going to last? Because uh, <laughs> it came down pretty heavy, but they were still still cracking on. And then, obviously, the wise decision came in to 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 call the game. And I think you know that is the the big thing with injuries, isn't it? In terms of healthy George Springer, what difference will that make for the Jays?
0: Massive. Uh, You know, just. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, and you know, the thought was uh, we we're just talking about sort of how you look at replacing production on a team. And the person said to me, "You know, Matt Chapman on his own doesn't replace Marcus Simeon's production, but a healthy George Springer or George Springer for a full season and Matt Chapman that probably more than replaces Marcus Simeon's production." And so. You know, the, the fact that George Springer seems to be in a better place from a, from a health perspective so far this spring, obviously really, really significant when he was on the field and in good, in good health, he was incredibly productive, incredibly dynamic, basically everything the Blue Jays had hoped for from him. And, you know, I think the Blue Jays, if they get 140 games out of him, you know, they're going to be a much better team because you know, what he was over the you know, 80 to 90 games he played last year was a force. So, uh, you know, I certainly think they're banking on, you know, a fuller season from him being a big part of their improvement this year. Uh, and, you know, he really needs to be that in a lot of ways for them too.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think I'm, I'm, you know, thrilled to, to see him come back. And I think we didn't see we only sort of glimmer of what difference he could make. Last year. And I think to to go, yeah, to get through spring training, as you say, fit and healthy and hit the ground running on Friday with a full, healthy squad is going to be a a tremendous asset to to the Jays. In terms of Matt Chapman's arrival, obviously a lot of excitement about that. What difference will he make, particularly to Bo? and Biggio or whoever plays at second in terms of his defensive capability, how, how much better will they be as players because of his arrival?
0: I mean, it's a really great question. And, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to dig into some nerd stats with you here. So you go go But You go if, ahead. If you, if you look at, uh, you know, collectively what the Blue Jays did uh, from a, a defensively at third base uh, via outs above average, uh, you know, they were uh, a negative, three, I believe, if memory serves right, uh, on balls to the left side. So that's between the, between the shortstop and the third baseman. Matt Chapman on his own last year in Oakland was a plus five. So right there, you're looking at an eight outs above average swing uh, in terms of those balls. And so, you know, the Blue Jays are now thinking about how differently they're going to deploy Bo Bichette. You know, they can shade him more to the middle because he's not going to have to cheat to his right the way that he did last year. He's if he's if he's shaded left a little bit more, then he's got an opportunity to gobble up more balls across the infield. That's going to take some pressure off the second baseman. Uh, you know, and if it's if it's Kevin, Kevin Biggio, I think it's just gonna benefit simply by playing a position that he's comfortable at. You know, the I don't know that people really appreciated how tough it is trying to learn to play third base at the major league level on the fly, the way Kevin Vigio did last year. He deserves a ton of credit for that. And you know, I don't think that he's necessarily gotten it. Um, it's an incredibly, incredibly difficult and demanding position. Uh, so, you know, he's going to be better. Santiago Espinal will have some time at second base. Too. He's a tremendous defender. So tighten up that entire infield makes a huge difference uh, for a pitching staff. that got a lot of ground balls to the left side and, and any little margin. And you know, I think that's where, when you look at where the Blue Jays were at last year, you're you're start you're really looking and focus on the li- areas of small margin where you can tighten up the game and you know maybe it's that one ground ball that you know defender gets to that changes an inning and allows a reliever to get through and that equals uh, two three of those those games that slipped away last year and that's that's the difference or could be the difference between the postseason and a tough landing the way the blue jays had last year
1: yeah no no I I think yeah as you look back yeah particularly last year. We always reflect here in the UK that it, it felt like a end of a a football soccer season with everybody ending on you know same same game same points going down to the last game who's who's going to go up who's going to go down in our terminology and yeah I think as you say if we can get some of those wins that we didn't get last year because we've added in somebody like Chapman just just going back to SB he he's obviously there's a lot of talk about him in terms of just how he looked like he put a little bit of weight on, bulked up over the off-season. How much of a difference will that make in terms of his play and, and his capabilities, do you think?
0: Well, I think the the prime difference, potentially it could be, is if it results in a little bit more power at the plate. And like I think the Blue Jays have always thought as Espinal of somebody having the potential to hit for a little bit of power, you know, primarily a gap-to-gap guy, but, you know, someone who could really get into one and you know hit a few home runs. You know, he ups that a little bit. Uh, maybe becomes a bit more of a significant factor. And, you know, the one thing I would say about Espinal is that he's not someone necessarily who's overperformed, but he's someone who continues to make the most of every opportunity given to him. You know, you, you know, you think about the the type of trade that he was acquired in. You know, you they picked him up for, from the Red Sox for Steve Pierce you know, there was some familiarity, with Steve Sanders, uh, who was, uh, with the Blue Jays at the time. Uh, and he was with Boston when they drafted Espinal. So there was a lot of familiarity there. He knew the player, he knew the work ethic and things of that nature. So it was a bit more of an educated lottery lottery pick kind of, uh, kind of acquisition than the usual one. Uh, but you know, he, full credit to Espinal because he's just continued to take advantage of every opportunity and force himself into more playing time. So, you know, I think the plan at this point for him and Biggio is to job share the second base and, you know, bounce around the diamond and fit, fit into a number of different spots. But I can see Espinal just because of the, the way that he's continually, um, you know, forced his way into, into more playing time, you know, maybe having a bit of a say of that, especially mm-hmm. if he... Does experience a little bit of an uptick in power?
1: Yeah, yeah. Starting rotation, best in the AL East now.
0: I mean, it's uh, it's tough to argue against it, right? Um, obviously, you look at the Tampa Bay Rays, and you're always like, okay, that pitching staff, top, uh, top to bottom, is is formidable. Uh, but you know, in terms of dependability, and you know, one through five, and guys who can get deep into the game, and with track records. You know, you've got two of the top five pitchers in baseball last year in terms of innings pitched in your rotation in, in Barrios and Gossman. Uh, you know, Kikuchi has Stephen Matt's ask upside, if if not better than that. Uh, of course, there's some downside too, which we saw in the second half with them last year. Uh, you know, Alec Manoa is still... ...progressing... Uh, and Ryu, ...you know... As much as, you know, there's always consternation about him he continues to just the Blue Jays. So, you know, I think from that standpoint, you know, you look at the American League teams, the Blue Jays probably have the most uh, certainty or dependability in their rotation. It doesn't always turn out that way, as we, we know. But the Blue Jays have put themselves in a pretty good spot uh, in terms of having uh, a regular five who should be able to take the ball uh, each turn that comes up and, you know, keep their give their give that offense a reasonable chance to to do its damage.
1: Yeah. And obviously with Nate Pearson out at the moment through illness, I understand. Where where does he fit into this starting lineup? Do do you see him shifting away from a starting pitcher to reliever or, or is that too early to say at the moment?
0: I don't think the Blue Jays are ready to give up on that. I don't think Nate Pearson is ready to give up on that. And I don't think they should give up on that. The challenge Just it's so many years now that he hasn't logged innings. It's tougher to start catching up on that workload. So you know, in an ideal world, I wonder if the Blue Jays try to use him. You know, similarly to how the Rays used Luis Patino last year, where you know he's in a few different roles. He he comes in, he does some starting, he does some opening, he does some bulk work, he does some relief work. It's just sort of uh, maybe I, I don't think this term is fully accurate, but sort of a Swiss army knife of pitching where he's getting into a number of different roles and then still logging enough innings that you can maybe springboard him into a rotation next year. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of creativity with him. There's going to have to be, but this is also a big boy season, right? Like it's, this is the time to, to, you know, use your resources or devote your resources to winning in any fashion possible. So if it comes to a situation where, you know, they need a dynamic one-two punch or they need a, to give some depth to Jordan Romano and the, the bullpen pad uh, and closing the games out, you know, Nate Pearson kind of fits the bill. So, uh, you know, I do think that there are a number of scenarios the Blue Jays are going to be flexible to them. Uh, and ultimately, it's going to be driven both by sort of what his long-term developmental needs are but also what the needs are in the moment because of how important the season this is from a, a you know, a leveraging the the opportunity perspective.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see him come through. I think that was it in the pandemic season, wasn't it? When he first, first broke through and, and, yeah. you know, such high expectation and it didn't quite go as planned. And then obviously you had Alec coming in last year and his, his entry level or entry into the game was, was probably a little bit more solid than, than, Nate's was. So I, I mean, I, I really like him. I'd love to see him featuring more heavily. I, I mean, I don't think you'll be obviously you say is the starting five, but, um, uh, I wouldn't want him to, to shift away from that starting position, uh, and use him. And of course we don't know what's going to happen with injuries and everything else that gets thrown in once you get into the regular season.
0: Sure. I mean, he's the key piece of that depth, you know, Ross stripling as well, but, you know, I think that the difficult thing I mean, difficult, but the, what, what you always think about with Nate Pearson is like the total package for him to be, you know, one of the top pitchers in the game is there, right? So it's very tantalizing, and you don't want to turn away from that. But then you also have to take into account what's happened to him over the past three seasons, and that, you know, you can't suddenly just throw him into the deep end and say, here, you know, swim a marathon. That's not, that's not going to necessarily work either. And then you also know what a weapon he could be late in games for a team who's trying to, trying to win. So you've got sort of these several competing interests and how you navigate through the different elements is, is going to be very tricky.
1: Yeah. So do they start with three catches or not?
0: I mean, I would expect that uh, unless, you know, some sort of trade materializes and I wouldn't necessarily rule that out, but, all things being equal, uh, especially with expanded rosters. Yeah. You're starting because look, you know, Alejandro Kirk deserves to be is one of the nine best hitters on that team. Right. He deserves to, he deserves to be in that lineup at the same time. uh, You know, you don't want to give up uh, a Reese McGuire and he's out of options. And, you know, as much as you may say, Oh, you can always find a, a catch and throw guy. You know, he knows the pitching staff. He's got some familiarity with them. You don't want to just sort of wash your hands of that asset. So, you know, the Blue Jays essentially pump the decision for a month uh, while they wait on things. And that would probably be uh, the route that I would expect them to take.
1: Yeah. And of course, waiting in the wings down at Buffalo is a certain young man who's also pushed knocking at the door. Uh, how do you see that one playing out over this particular season do you, do you think he would be moved up at some point or is is that too early to say
0: yeah my sense is that his path will be dictated by team need right I, you know i know some people who say that his bat is close to major league ready if not major league ready at this point uh obviously catching is a demanding position he didn't get a ton of reps last year because of injury so the, the Blue Jays are going to want to catch him up a little bit, but his bat is so good that we could see him force his way into, this, into the picture. So, you know, partly it'll be determined by health. If something happens to Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk along the way, obviously that'll play a significant factor. And then, you know, I think in the back pocket is the fact that, you know, he played a little bit of third base, you know, could you find a way to work him in there and maybe get him like, you know, once, once every 10 days at third base and a few days at catcher and some time at DH? And, uh, you know, I do think that if the bat does enough work there, that you could figure out something like that. Uh, but I do also believe the Blue Jays very much want him to spend some time in AAA getting acclimated, making for lost time and working on the defensive aspect of the game. The podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK. You're listening to Red, White and Blue Jays.
1: Dexter Fowler was a, a side right move. I think lots of people reflecting that maybe five years ago that would make more sense. Uh, what, where, what's behind that one, do you think?
0: Just that You know, there's no such thing as a bad minor league uh, free agent signing. Right, you bring him in, see what he's got. Uh, he could certainly be a good piece off the bench. And you know, the Blue Jays have some opportunity there right now. You know, Greg Bird's getting some run, and you know, he might get a bit of a look. Nathan Lukes is, is someone who's gotten a look. But if you, you know, Dexter Fowler has some good experience, uh, smart baseball player, been around, has some connections to the team. You know, he, if there's something left from him, uh, then you know why not, right? He can he can certainly play a role for you, uh, and you have to also. It's been a while, but you know you also have a guy who can play a little bit of center field, and things are a little bit thinner from a center field perspective now that Randall Grichik is no longer on the club. So it uh, can't hurt having him around. There are no promises, there are no guarantees, but you know if he's able to show that he's you know past the injury that curtailed the season last year. Uh, and can still put the ball to the bat, still move pretty well on the bases. You know, he absolutely has an opportunity to contribute to this club.
1: Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that we saw last year in terms of just the the dynamic on the, in the dugout between all the players uh, was this camaraderie that seemed to shine through. We we reflected on this pod again in, about the home run jacket and all those sort of things that that just brought a sense of a real joy to the team and i'm guessing somebody who who's been there done it has that experience will help those younger guys coming through and and bring some equilibrium across across the squad
0: sure you know the i think you have to remember is that it's it's a, such a long season and you know so many different needs arise over the course of 6 months and the everyday nature of it that you know, sometimes that perspective helps, right? You have another older voice, respected voice who's been around to maybe calm some frayed nerves or, you know, just provide a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of insight. You know, that stuff's invaluable. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays, a lot of them were going through it for the first time for 162 games, playing games of import with those kind of meanings. So, you know, that was certainly a learning experience for them. More of them will have that to draw upon. But, you know, the, the older I've gotten, the more that I believe, you know, there's no substitute for experience. And when you can draw back on different things that have happened to you or different moments that you face uh, different conversations that you've had, you know, sometimes you can make a contribution or rely on something that really gives you uh, a little bit of comfort in a moment. And I would not be surprised if, you know, Dexter Fowler, should he make this club at some point, um, you know, could, could offer or can make that type of contribution to the yeah. players around them.
1: Yeah. Charlie Montoya, just been awarded an extension to his contract. I think he, he's obviously had a fair amount of criticism over his tenure, but I'm I'm thrilled for him, actually. I, th- I think it's just deserved, I think, particularly over these last two seasons and how, as a whole uh, club, they've managed the situation, particularly being out, out of Toronto. How do, how do you think that's landing in terms of the Toronto fan base, Blue Jays fan base?
0: Well, I don't know. the uh, there's, there's definitely a, a vociferous uh, group on Twitter who uh, was not pleased uh, when I reported that on, on Friday morning. But I, I think uh, you you touched on a lot of the key points, right? Like the, the gong show that he's had to work his way through, and we focus on the last two years. But you have to remember, he managed that 95 loss disaster in 2019. And as much as you know, people think, "Oh, it doesn't matter. It's a rebuild year." You know, in a lot of ways, I think managers who survive those type of years are deserving of credit in a way that you know sometimes winning clubs maybe aren't necessarily uh, you know maybe haven't earned in quite the same way because you know they had to deal with a lot through that time. You know, opener and a guy is a, a phrase that I keep coming back to. Pointing to Sam Gavilio as your your MVP and no disrespect to him. But, you know, if you're, if you're looking at a mop up guy as one of your key contributors, some things have very much gone wrong for you. So, you know, it's, it's uh, the, what they went through the last couple of years and having success through that, that's full credit to the players first and foremost, right. You know, they could have made excuses. They could have, you know, complained. They could have done all these different things and why us, and we don't have to do this and just, pissed and moaned and and they did they got after it and they got uh and they put down really good performances so that's a credit to them but you know that Charlie Montoya is a part of that and so uh you know the debate over in-game moves and things of that nature uh, you know the Blue Jays like many clubs right now they do a lot of that stuff by committee they have a lot of stuff that's you know not necessarily scripted but you know, thought upon before games and optimal matchups that they've searched for in different situations and researched at a very deep level far deeper than fans typically do, you know, that that's all kind of playing into the decision-making in game. So pinning it out on him alone, I don't think is fair. And, you know, I think, you know, at times, you know, like last year, what did you want him to do with the bullpen early in the season? You know, Tyler Chatwood wasn't performing. That was one of his leverage guys. Rafael Delis wasn't performing. That was one of his leverage guys. Uh, You know, they tried Travis Bergen and Jeremy Beasley. And, you know, when you're that far down, Anthony Castro, when you're that far down your depth chart, you know, things are definitely not going right for you. Uh, And so, you know, for someone who's had to make up a lot of things uh, as he's gone along far more than most, you know, I think that he's underappreciated in some ways, and we'll get a real test of him this year, where he's managing under normalcy and with a team that's supposed to win.
1: Yeah, and I think the contrast between him and Gibby obviously is is huge in terms of just management style and and, and personality and and so on. So I think that's part partly to play as well, because uh, there's definitely some Gibby fans out there who is obviously sad to see him go, but also some people who weren't so keen. So it's one of those, I think, but I think. I think for me, the, the the reflection in terms of playing out of a suitcase for you know two seasons or effectively two seasons, uh, you know he's done as well as he could. Just um just thinking about coming back into Toronto, one of uh, a question that um, uh, Scott and Adam from the Walk Off Pod, who I, I know you know well, asked what what difference does a full season in Toronto mean in terms of extra wins? What what does that look like for the Jays?
0: Yeah, I mean it's, it's a great question. I think if you wanted to sort of look at the home records last year, right? It was twenty five and eleven. I think I have my numbers right in Toronto, and they were uh, eleven and twelve, and twelve and eleven. Dunedin and Buffalo. So, you know, I think obviously it's tough to extrapolate that over you know fully saying okay, you are going to play, you are going to you are going to play at the same level, but There was a a real tangible difference uh, between playing at a a major league facility, uh, not having to deal with the constant questions. And it's not just, you know, from their perspective, like if you don't know where you're going to live in the next couple of months, you know, whether consciously or or, or not, like that's going to cause you some stress. That's going to cause your family some stress. That's causing stress on everyone around you. And so you know, just simply having that and not having to worry about that, I think is, uh, you know, certainly going to free some people up and some of this energy that was devoted to worrying about those different things, you know, can now just be spent relaxing or thinking about swings or talking about baseball or thinking about how to, you know, sequence your pitches, whatever it may be. It's just, it's just more bandwidth for everyone to operate with, uh, more comfort, a proper facility, actual support. You know, I was talking to one player this spring uh, and was telling me about coming off the field after a game in Dunedin against the Rays and just getting absolutely ripped by these people yelling because they're Rays fans and it's supposed to be a home game. And so it's demoralizing that not only it's not when you lose, but then, you know, at a place where you're supposed to at least feel some benefits of support, to to get you know just have a serenade of 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 chirps all the way back into the clubhouse you know that that type of stuff took a toll on them and they don't have to deal with that they'll have full support there's right now knock on wood we'll hope it stays this way but no capacity limits at the dome uh you know it's it's they're going to be like everybody else and you've got a fan base that's super pumped about it like all those elements together, like how many extra wins does it equal? I mean, it's tough to measure that, but there is going to be a tangible uh, difference from a mental perspective and that'll probably translate into a couple extra percent here and there.
1: Yeah. What's the mood like in Toronto at the moment for them coming home?
0: Well, there's been a a lot of excitement, right? You can see it in, uh, you know, TV numbers for spring training games. You can see it uh, in you know the interest in what's going on, the discussion everywhere. Uh, obviously, it's maybe a little bit different for me, but I'm having a ton of conversations with people uh, about the the club's chances this year. Um, it's funny. Uh, I coach uh, my younger son's hockey team, and you know we played for the championship yesterday. And you know right after the game, a couple of uh, a couple of players on our team right were. We're like, Hey, what do you got on this? And are, who's going to do this? And, you know, so, uh, even in, in environments where it may be a different sport first, there's, the Blue J's are still top of mind for people. So, you know, I think that's really telling you about how this team is captured. The oh, another little thing that I just picked up yesterday, actually, um, you know, I was talking with uh, a minor baseball league here, youth baseball league. Um, and they're completely filled for the summer. Um, and their registration is up 30% year over year, which they attribute to, you know, interest in the Blue Jays. So, you know, it's, uh, it's great to see on a number of different levels. And, you know, anecdotally, at least I can I can tell you that it's uh, maybe higher than it's been since the 15 or 16 seasons.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, those were the most recent big years in terms of fan base and so on. Uh, and I guess me looking into Canada, being there several times you know, the, the, the fight for fans in terms of hockey, baseball, basketball, where, 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 does, where does the Jays fit into that arena? Cause that, you know, there's obviously clearly, I would imagine perhaps more Maple Leafs fans generally, would that be a fair assessment because hockey is so big in Canada?
0: Yeah. And, and the Maple Leafs are such an institution and, you know, they've obviously gotten almost a century start over uh, the other clubs. so. Uh, they're definitely embedded, but look, I think the Jays have a national poll uh, that, you know, the Maple Leafs have a national poll too, because the Torontonians are all over the country, but I, I do think the Jays have a, a national poll that's different, right? Because it's not, you know, if you're a, a Leafs fan in Vancouver, for instance, like you don't feel good about it, right? You know, you know, the, the Van- Canucks fans, there are going to be on you. But it, you can be a Jays fan in Vancouver. You can be a Jays fan in Montreal. You can be a Jays fan in Calgary. You can be a Jays fan in Edmonton, in Ottawa, without any issues, right? You've got a national, a legitimate national pull. Um, you know, the Raptors certainly built that to, to some extent as well. Um, and, and obviously they've got uh, and, and have earned and well-deserved a strong following. I, I don't know that it'd be easy to, to sort of track them, I guess, you're going to look at sort of tv numbers you definitely say the jays are ahead um you know maybe behind only the leaps but you know there there are strong polls across the board for all three franchises all well deserved uh but you know i do think right now that people see the opportunity uh that the movies have they see the the roster and the town that they have they've got some engaging uh illuminating stars that are attractive So you know they they really uh, they really have a significant opportunity before them to not just obviously win uh, and make some money this year, uh, but also to cement a new generation of followers that will carry them through uh, over an extended period.
1: Yeah, can they do it this year?
0: I mean, they have every reason uh, every reason to believe that they 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 should. Right, you know, I, I think you could. Look at them. I think Fangraphs right now has them as uh, projecting as the best team in the American League East. Never sleep on the Tampa Bay Rays. So you know they always seem to find a way. It's uh, the Blue Jays' kryptonite too. So you know I think there's some demons there they'd like to uh, they'd like to slay. Um, You know the Yankees. The Yankees have some flaws, but they're good. You know the Red Sox have some flaws, uh, and they're good. Uh, It's a tough league, but there's an extra playoff spot. You know, they they should absolutely be in the postseason. They should probably win the division. Weird things happen, so nothing's guaranteed. Um, You know, 2013, they were supposed to win the World Series. You Remember how that turned out. Um, They they definitely should have gotten to the World Series in 2015 as well. Uh, They were the best team that year and and weren't able to get there. But, uh, you know, they have the opportunity to do it this year. They have the talent. They have the depth. And it's just a matter of, you know, getting it done, everybody doing what
1: they're supposed to do. Sure. So I'm conscious of, of time and I need to let you go. Uh, just just one final question, which perhaps reflects more in terms of our scene here in the UK. How, how much would a ball club be aware of an international following? Obviously we've got, we, well, we had one London series with the Yankees and the Red Sox came over in 2019. And then the pandemic year, of course, cancelled the next one. MLB have just released... And some dates in terms of MLB games, uh, not just here in the UK but across the world. How how much of a knowledge would players be aware of the following of a of a team uh, overseas?
0: Uh, I think the players, you know, they'll they'll see it on social. They'll hear about it. You know, they understand. Um, you know, the Blue Jays do a pretty good job of making them understand sort of where their reach is. Uh, because the Blue Jays are trying to engage all the all the different fan bases. Uh, you know, the as part of the CBA games that you mentioned, you know, uh, the Blue Jays, I would not be surprised to see the Blue Jays pursue one of those games in, Eng- in England. Uh, I, I, I think they're going to try, and I don't, obviously not guaranteed, but I do think they're interested. They had interest in, in the past. It was obviously the natural connection between, uh, you know, Canada and England. And uh, so, I would not be surprised if they're one of the teams that end up there. Um, obviously there's some other politics that go into the play. So nothing's guaranteed, but um, you know, I th- the, I think the blue are going to be in one of the international games. And uh, I would think that they would target England for uh, the reasons I just mentioned. So whether or not that happens, we'll see, but you know, they're definitely conscious of it. And you know, I think it'd be pretty fascinating for them to come, uh, come play overseas and, and see that, you know they they already see their reach. You know when they go to every every ballpark in the America in the American League National League too. You know the Blue Jays visit. There's always a contingent of fans. Uh, so you know ter, uh, Torontonians and Canadians are everywhere in North America, um, and certainly in certain pockets, Canadians invade uh, the visiting stadiums. Uh, and you know seeing it internationally too would not be a surprise either.
1: Oh, we'd love it. I think when when we went to the 2019 series. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of Red Sox and Yankees fans there, uh, and just about every ball park, uh, every ball club was was represented by a fan somewhere. But I think most people would say, beyond the the Red Sox and Yankees, the Jays were were the next most well represented club uh, at that game or that series. So I I think you know there is a massive following here, and, and everybody would love to see the Jays come come to London. Uh, I think my my sort of question mark would be whether it would pull the audience. In in the states, well, you know, for an international series. But but that aside, there will be a whole load of us that would very warmly welcome them.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think if there's if there's the TV number and the, or the TV audience in the states to think about. But there's also you know what what's the local connection there, and what's going to sort of engage most most fans. And you know, you're thinking about you're going to have an international series. Like you wouldn't, uh, it would make sense to have the one international ball club in the in in the major leagues participating in you know, I do think we'll see probably the vast majority of clubs spread out across those both the uh, you know the international games and the marquee games that Major League Baseball is going to be putting together as part of the CBA. Uh, but you know, just uh, the impression that I've gotten is that you know the Blue Jays believe they'd be a good fit for the London one of the London games.
1: Well, if it happens, shy. You'll be very welcome. We'd love to see you and see you on our home patch. But uh, thank you so much for giving up your very early morning. Uh, I really appreciate you being able to find some time just to chat to us. And I know uh, loads of the guys here would love to just hear what you've brought today. So thank you.
0: I uh, appreciate you having me. And you know, the, uh, hopefully the Blue Jays do get across the pond. And hopefully I'm fortunate enough to do that trip if it happens. So, yeah. uh, you know, I the conversation. Have a great day.
1: Yeah. Cheers, Shai. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: The Red, White, and Blue Jays podcast is a production of Blue Jays Fans UK. If you've got a Blue Jays story to share, let us know. Email us at BlueJaysFansUK at gmail.com. And follow along on Twitter and Instagram at BlueJaysFansUK. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening.